flock of God. God in his kindness has put us together in this particular fold, and it is the great joy of our lives to walk together and follow the Good Shepherd, the best place to live. And today we will be focusing on him and what we have in him. I draw you back to where we are in our study of the Gospel of John. It was the fall season of the year at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles when Jesus taught in the temple area to a wide crowd of listeners. He declared that he was a light of the world. Just as Yahweh was with the Israelites in their wilderness wanderings, Jesus is God with us, bringing the light of life to those that are trapped in darkness. Shortly after teaching these things, Jesus healed the man born blind, displaying that his power over darkness is for real. His compassionate power poured out on this man who had suffered blindness all his life brought Jesus into direct conflict once again with the Pharisees. He had broken their man-made rules regarding how to keep the Sabbath day. So never mind his compassion, never mind his astonishing, miraculous power to save a man from lifelong darkness, never mind that. He must be a sinner, and he must be stopped. Well, John 9 ends with this interchange between Jesus and these men. Jesus said, for judgment, I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. It is in this context of confronting the Pharisees for their own willful blindness and sin that Jesus paints this contrasting, beautiful portrait of himself as the good shepherd He does so in stark contrast to the false shepherds that these religious leaders represent. Even though we have a chapter division between 9 and 10, there's actually no break in the timeline, and this actually helps us understand kind of the thrust of what Jesus is saying in chapter 10. And it's also important for us to understand the terminology, the language used here. When we speak of the Good Shepherd, we're so familiar with this passage, we think immediately of John 10, and we think of Jesus. But this language has been used by God throughout the Old Testament. The Old Testament commonly uses the term shepherd to refer to leaders of God's people, whether they're kings or prophets or priests. Anybody who's leading another and has responsibility for someone else, God holds such persons accountable for how they care for those the Lord has committed to their care. For instance, in Jeremiah 23, 1 and 2, he says, "'Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture,' declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, 
the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. You have scattered my flock and driven them away. You have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Remember, Jesus has just said, for judgment I came into the world. And he's tending to these Pharisees. Ezekiel 34, we have an extended passage, and normally we wouldn't do this, but this is so powerful in its description and so aligns with what we're going to see in John 10. I'd like us to consider it. God says to Ezekiel, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound out, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, because my shepherds have not searched my sheep and the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. And I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among the sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all the places that they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them into their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. And on my rich pasture, they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Well, Jesus Christ, God the Son, embodies what the Lord God promised through Ezekiel. He is the good shepherd, the very opposite of these wicked shepherds who, instead of caring for the flock, use the flock to feed themselves. And with that backdrop, listen to Jesus' words regarding himself as the good shepherd. In verse 1 of John 10, he, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge... I have received from my Father. There was a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So let's consider this good shepherd, given what Jesus has given us here. In verses 1 through 9, we see that the good shepherd leads his sheep. The good shepherd leads his sheep. In verses 10 through 13, the good shepherd gives abundant life to his sheep. 14 through 16, the good shepherd knows his sheep completely. And then second part of verse 15 and also 17 and 18, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Well, let's consider first what should be fundamental to any good shepherd, and that's that he leads the sheep. The good shepherd leads his sheep. Let's look at those verses 1 through 9 once again. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man's a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. 
this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The good shepherd is strikingly different from the false shepherds, the thieves, the robbers, the hirelings who try to come into the flock a different way than through Jesus and, and do not go for the benefit of the sheep but to benefit themselves. Thieves take what isn't theirs. Robbers vandalize what isn't theirs. Hirelings abandon the sheep to save their own lives. They don't care about the sheep because they just want their pay. They, they don't own the sheep. They don't care about the sheep. They're not willing to put themselves at risk to protect the sheep from the wolves. So who are these thieves and robbers and hirelings? Well, they are in context leaders like the Pharisees that Jesus is confronting. They refuse to come to God through Jesus. They refuse to go through the door. And rather than taking care of the flock, they use the flock and abuse the flock for their own benefit. And we see it in, in living color in the way that they have treated this man born blind. What do they do? Well, they interrogate the healed man. And then they revile him. And eventually they actually cast him out of the synagogue. Where God's people gather that believe in Yahweh, that worship him, they kick him out. Why? Because he was healed by Jesus and was willing to acknowledge it. His sin, as they define it, was truthfully acknowledging what Jesus had done for him. He had heard the shepherd's voice. And he knew that voice. And he ended up following Jesus because he was trusting in him. Jesus' sheep hear the voice of the good shepherd. They listen to him and follow him. He calls them by name because each one matters to him. He, he leads them into the safety of the fold, and then he leads them out to the goodness of pasture. He, they recognize the shepherd's voice as the one who truly cares for them, and they won't listen to the voice of a stranger. Those who aren't his sheep, the thieves and robbers, they close their ears and their minds and their hearts to the words of Jesus. They refuse to follow him. They don't believe that he is good. Instead, they try to enter the fold of salvation another way, and they lead and intimidate others to do the same. You remember that these very Jews had decided that they would kick out anyone in the synagogue who confessed Jesus at all. So they weren't content and not believing themselves. They also wanted to punish those that do. They were false shepherds. They were hirelings. They were in it for themselves. The true test of a leader, parent, teacher, pastor, or anyone else responsible to care for others is what they make of Jesus. Do they point you to the only one who can provide entrance into heaven, or are they trying to gain a following for themselves? A lot of times when we think about shepherds, you know, we're thinking 
Uh, we think about pastors. That's what pastor means is shepherds. They're the under shepherds of the church. But shepherds are essentially leaders. They're responsible for other people and for their well-being. So there's all kinds of venues in a life where a person serves as a shepherd, a parent serves as a shepherd. Whatever degree of influence you have over another human being, you, uh, if you're leading that person or if you're uh, responsible for that person in any way, if you influence them, you're a sort of shepherd. And the question is, the people that listen to you, the people that follow you, the people that are dependent on you, are you taking them to the door of the fold to Jesus? Or are you making it difficult for them to find it? No, not everyone can be the parent of your kids. God put you in that role. Are you leading them to the good shepherd? Are you showing them what following the good shepherd looks like? Not everyone can be a school teacher. Not, not everyone can run a business. Not everyone can, can serve in community service. But the degree of influence you have, are you using it to point people to Jesus? Are you submissive to the good shepherd? Or are you, like the thieves and robbers, rebelling, trying to find another way, stealing what belongs to the shepherd and using it for yourself? The good shepherd loves his sheep and shows it. False shepherds do what they do out of love for themselves. We know the two great commands are love God, love others. So the way we shepherd ought to display that. A love for God who, who actually created the people for whom we're accountable, and then a love for those people. And, and if I love myself more, I end up harming the sheep. And the world is full of such toxic shepherds. And the tragedies are manifold as you hear the story of families and of churches and of the the dirty politics and the like, where those responsible to shepherd were in it for themselves. You are right to recoil from such shepherds. Listen instead to the comforting promise of the good shepherd. He says in verse 9, I am the door, I'm, I'm your entrance into this life that I'm offering. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Anyone, anyone who enters by Jesus finds him to be the good shepherd who is the only truly safe place for the sheep. He leads them. He gives them both protection and provision. You know, the the song that the choir sang you know, I am not my own. There are many that would, would say that through gritted teeth. I'm not my own. I want to be my own. But wait a minute. If you belong to the good shepherd, and that's why you say you're not your own, that, that is a statement of joy. I, I, I have the infinite God who created me and sustains my every breath. I belong to him. I can walk my path in confidence of of protection and provision, whether I'm coming into the fold for protection or going out to the pasture for provision. Jesus will see me there, and all of us need protection. And all of us need provision. And all of us need leadership. All of us need 
care. Have you heard the voice of Jesus calling your name? Now, you may not have heard it audibly, but has there, has there been a time or are there seasons where you, you sense that, that God is talking directly to you through His Word, that He's comforting you with His good shepherd's voice? Does your heart resonate with the truthful reliability of His words? Is it personal with you? Are, are you listening instead to other shepherds who are lying to you for their own benefit? Are you seeking some alternative way to fulfillment and safety and sustenance that you desire? The fraudulent shepherds will destroy you. They will not protect you. You will not be safe. They will not feed you with truth. You will starve instead. And in a world full of influencers, all kinds of people are clamoring to shepherd you who are false shepherds. Listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd. So what is your heart response to the voice of Jesus as recorded in the Gospels? When you read these eyewitness accounts of Jesus, the things that He did and the things that He said, and what, how does your heart respond to Him? And, and where have you seen the flock abused by false shepherds? I mean, there's many people that have been abused by false shepherds. In fact, much of the anger against what's called Christianity, I believe, comes from those who've been exposed to these false shepherds who've completely misrepresented who Jesus is and what he's like and have used people in Jesus' name. I think there's a low place in hell for those kinds of false shepherds. And I know there's a place in hell for them because Matthew 7 records they're standing before Jesus and he says, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness, even though they preached in his name and done miracles and the like. And how, how are you differentiating the voice of Jesus from the voice of the false shepherds? If you know Jesus is true, let that be your benchmark by which you judge all other voices. And then in what ways are you relying on the goodness of Jesus, the good shepherd, to protect you and to provide for you? You know, every phase of life has its uncertainties, has the things that we naturally fear and things we naturally desire. Will you look to Jesus to protect you and to provide for you? Will you not fall prey to the false notion that, that you're your own savior? Or, or that some other human being can do for you what only Jesus can do. And how does knowing that he calls you by name shape your view of his heart toward you? I mean, we know that God is omnipotent. We know he's all-knowing. We know he's vast. He's beyond our comprehension. He's invisible. And that distance can sometimes feel very great, so great that how could I ever know him? But he knows your name. And, and if you are believing in him, it's because he has called you 
by name. He has known you before the foundation of the world. He loves you with an everlasting love that will never let you go. Now, it doesn't feel that way all the time. There are valleys of deep darkness. There are times when our courage gives way. There are times when we disappoint ourselves in ways where we we feel like the shepherd should throw us out. But the good shepherd seeks for his sheep. He knows them by name. He knows you. Lean into that. Rest in that. Don't let go of that promise from Jesus as you face whatever you face. And then Jesus goes on to say that he not only leads the sheep, he gives abundant life to the sheep. In verses 10 through 13, the thief comes only to kill, to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who's a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. You know, some people think that following Jesus means missing out on life and all that has to offer. They think, well, no, I'm not going to follow the shepherd. He's not going to own me. He's not going to lead me because I'll miss out. No, you won't. No, you won't. In fact, many a sinful choice rises from thinking that somehow we'll be better off to shut out the voice of Jesus, the good shepherd, in order to pursue what we think will benefit us more. We've been doing that ever since the Garden of Eden. That was Satan's lie. Oh, God knows that you'll be better off. God knows you'll be like him if you disobey him. God's the bad guy. You need to find your fulfillment. It's all a lie. The good life is the life based on following Jesus and listening to his voice. He is so committed to your well-being that he is willing to die to rescue you from the wolves. And he has done so. He offers to you life in abundance, both now and ultimately fulfilled in the life to come. We lost Eden when we turned away from God. The good shepherd comes to restore our souls, to lead us and feed us, and to bring us into the life we were created to enjoy. He calls us to taste of Eden again and promises that he will lead us into an even better paradise that will last forever. And if you don't believe that, then you have to decide that he's a liar. If he's telling the truth, this is yours if you follow him. By contrast, the false shepherd is in it only for himself. If taking care of the flock means putting himself at risk, he runs and abandons the sheep. And such leaders leave their people at the mercy of the wolves. The world is full of such hirelings who leave the sheep to the wolves so long as they can advance their own careers or protect their own reputations. I don't think there's any other way to explain where we are, not just in our country, but in our own community. When you see how many leaders cave 
to what many of them have to know is completely wrong. How is it that city leaders and educators and even pastors affirm and celebrate sexual sin contrary to the Creator's good design for family and intimacy? How do you explain a community like Greenville with its hundreds of churches that can tolerate state-sponsored grooming of young children towards sexual exploration and deviancy and call it love and progress? The things that are happening, like in our public libraries, the things that are happening in our educational institutions, if you did it in private, it would be called pedophilia. But if you codify it, suddenly it's okay. Only for thieves and robbers and hirelings. Good shepherds know different. Nonetheless, many a shepherd in our nation and state and county and church will refuse, will shrink from protecting the lambs of our community for fear of being vilified by the wolves. Wolves don't like shepherds, not good ones. And good shepherds fight against the wolves to protect the flock. This very week, we have an election that will determine different leadership positions in our city and in our county, library board, and there are those who publicly have identified willingness to exploit young children and those who are against it, and to whatever degree we can help protect the lambs and the sheep. We need to do it. To whatever degree we hold accountable those who won't, we need to do it. It's just unbelievable, almost, that we have Pride Month for a sin that God explicitly mentions. How about Pride Month for thieves? How about Pride Month for adulterers? Let's, let's have adulterers. Pride Month. How about Pride Month for murderers? How about Pride Month for liars? It doesn't, how can I be proud of something that I ought to repent of and leave and be rescued from? It's not that we don't care for those that are caught in any kind of sin. It's that we don't celebrate the sin. That's not how you help the sheep. When sheep have fallen off the cliff, you don't celebrate. You rescue them. When they're broken, you bind them up. You don't dance around them celebrating that they're broken. Our nation, and, and it's just, you, you would never think it would happen here, but it's happening here. It, and it, what, what seemed to be begun in the far left has now invaded both parties and churches and the like. Where are the shepherds? They're not following the good shepherd. Better to die than give the sheep to the wolves. All this has been a long time in coming. Its path is centuries old. It actually goes back to 
throwing away divine truth in favor of man-made dogma that's fickle as the wind. And all you have to do is have lived about 30 or 40 years, and you can see how fickle it is. You know, one decade, the great sin, and the next decade, it's the great thing to celebrate, and vice versa. It's completely reversed what's right and wrong. And where there is right, what is right is beneficial, and yet it is vilified. And what is wrong and therefore harmful is celebrated. And I would say that over these many years of development, it's largely the shepherds that are to blame. Secular leaders and spiritual leaders who care more about their own career survival than protecting the vulnerable as leaders are supposed to do. Those willing to sell the truth to gain popularity and save their own skin. It's got to stop. And there may be little that you and I can do about it. There are times that we can, but let's just start in our own backyard, in our own homes, and being the kind of shepherds we ought to be for people that are dependent on us. And have the courage to do right. And, and have the love to help those that are broken. Be willing to lead our children and those that follow us in ways that would bring them to Jesus. So in what ways are you pursuing the abundant life that Jesus provides for his sheep? So you have to believe that he actually provides abundant life. You have to believe that this is the good path. If it's not, then, then it's not worth going after. But if he's providing abundant life, in what ways are you pursuing it? In what other ways people try to find abundant life are a temptation to you? Where are you most likely to fall into the lie that somehow I'd be better off if I turned the back on the good shepherd? And for those whose well-being you're responsible, what are you willing to sacrifice for their benefit? What are you willing to sacrifice? Well, let's move on. In verses 14 through 16, the good shepherd knows his sheep completely. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Jesus knows his sheep wherever they are, even in the most unlikely of places, not just Jews. At this time, the Jews would have thought of themselves as the main ones he was going to say, but Gentiles too. Every tribe and nation, people and language will be part of his flock. The gospel call is to all ethnicities, rich, poor, educated, uneducated. And Jesus will not fail to bring every last one of his sheep, the sheep of his flock, into safety. His sheep are from every time and place, but they are all one flock because they follow one shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what brings us together. The people of Samaria who would trust Christ through Philip's preaching, they were his sheep. As was the Ethiopian eunuch on the desert road, or the persecuting Saul who would become the missionary Paul, or Cornelius, the God-fearing centurion, or the businesswoman Lydia and her household, or the demon-possessed slave girl of Philippi, or the rough Philippian jailer and his family, or the Athens city council member Dionysius, or the immoral pagans of Corinth, along with Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue. God said to Paul by night, Jesus said to Paul by night, 
when he was having a lot of pushback there in Corinth, he says, I have much people in this city. Keep preaching. Then there's the young Timothy, son of a believing mother and a pagan father, or Onesimus, the runaway slave, or members of Caesar's household in Rome, members of the bodyguard troops of Caesar, or Polycarp, disciple of John the Apostle, or the immoral philosophy-loving Augustine, or the guilt-ridden monk Luther, or the unchurched, untaught Bunyan, the corrupt and despairing slave trader Newton, and millions more, including, if you are trusting him, you. I have sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in. Jesus knows you better than anyone else in the world. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you with a perfect knowledge and the the infinite intimacy that exists between God the Father and God the Son. So how can knowing Jesus knows you completely help you pray with more trust and more regularity and with more hope? And how are you displaying the one flock relationship you have with others who also follow Jesus, whatever their background? And who are you reaching out to with the gospel, knowing that the good shepherd is committed to bringing them in? There are still more people in our own town who one day will trust in Jesus. Who are they? And have you met them? And would you, might, might you be the one through whom they hear the shepherd's voice? And finally, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. In the middle of verse 15, he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. And then in verse 17, he takes up that theme again. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. So Jesus would willingly lay down his life when he went to the cross. The evil men who arrested him, illegally tried him, falsely accused him, and brutally killed him were responsible for their own hatred and for their own actions, but they were not in control. They didn't thwart the purpose of God. God was fulfilling through their evil hearts and deeds what he determined before the foundation of the world for the joy that was set before him of rescuing the sheep and honoring the Father who loves the sheep, Jesus willingly endured the cross and counted its shame as nothing compared to the prize of fulfilling the Father's will of saving his sheep. And the resurrection proved just how in control Jesus actually was when he was crucified. He laid down his life willingly. No mere man or group of men could take his life unless he laid it down and no man could keep him dead. He proved that his life power is greater than the power of death itself. And rising again, he declared that our sin was completely paid for. He demonstrated he can raise our dead bodies from the grave as well to enjoy an everlasting kingdom in a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness has taken up permanent residence. The grave cannot destroy the eternal life he gives to all who trust in him as their savior as their good shepherd. The good shepherd will lead you right through the grave and out of the grave to an everlasting kingdom. Nothing, nothing can have you once you have the shepherd and the shepherd has you.
That's why the psalmist says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, shall pursue me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's your future. Today and every day, all the way through the eons of eternity. So how could frequent meditation on the truth that Jesus laid down his life willingly for you change how you view yourself and view him and how you view your challenges? And how does Jesus' power to take up his life again from the grave expand your view of what he can do in your own life? He brings people to life again. He can restore whatever he chooses to restore. Well, this talk brought up a division among the Jews. According to verse 19, there was a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of a blind? So listen to the words of Jesus. Observe his compassionate, mighty works. Then make your choice. Either he's lying and does what he does by the power of Satan, or he is, in fact, the good shepherd, the promised Savior King, the Messiah, and the hope of the world. Jesus' words and works leave you no middle ground. He's demon or Lord, deceiver or true, destroyer or Savior. And the truth of who he is shines plain for all to see who are willing to see. He leads his sheep. He gives abundant life to his sheep. He knows his sheep completely. He lays down his life for his sheep. He is the good news we most need, exactly what the prophets foretold that the coming Savior would be. Isaiah said, go up on the mountain, O Zion, herald of the good news, the gospel. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of the good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold, your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might. His arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. That's Jesus. And that's the good news. And we're safe in him. Let's pray. God, thank you for this beautiful passage. And it's beautiful because of its truth. Lord, help us to see us for who you are, to see you for, for to see you for what you revealed yourself to be. Or help us not listen to the voices of the false shepherds. Help us listen to the good shepherd and true, the way, the truth, and the life that will take us home to the Father. God, let us rest in him. And Lord, I pray for those with us today and those listening that have yet to trust the good shepherd. Oh, God. May they hear his voice. May they yield to his call. May they find rest for their souls. 
For it's in Christ's name we pray.